life happens. And in this episode, life happened to me. Right before I recorded this episode, my microphone broke. (laughs) So when you listen to this interview with a spectacular author, you're going to notice that the audio is not the same. But I just didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to interview this person. And boy, I'm glad I did because guess what? She's not doing interviews for a very long time because she's writing a new book. So I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Emotional Detox. My name is Sherrianna. I'm the author of Emotional Detox. And I hope that all of you are doing well out there, that you're healthy, that you're safe. And I'm so grateful that you decided to tune in to the podcast today because I have a very special guest and I know you are going to thoroughly enjoy this show. Her name is Andrea Owen, and she's an author. She's a global speaker and professional certified life coach who helps high-achieving women let go of perfectionism, control, and isolation, and choosing courage and confidence instead. She has helped, guys, thousands of women manage their inner critic, and we all have one, to create loving connections and live their most kick-ass life. And speaking of kick-ass life, she wrote a book about that. It is called 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, BS-Free Wisdom to Ignite Your Inner Badass and Live the Life You Desire. She also wrote How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness. And listen to this. Her book has been translated into 18 languages, and it's available in 22 countries. And when she's not juggling her full coaching practice, hosting retreats, she's busy riding her Peloton bike, chasing her 11-year-old son, and I think that older daughter that she wrote here is maybe 10 now. Um, (laughs) Bio needs to be updated, yeah. Making out with her husband, Jason. Woo-hoo, hot. And cute. she's also a retired roller derby player, having skated under the name Veronica Vane. Oh boy. I'm just so excited to have her. I want to give her a warm welcome, Andrea, to Thank the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I knew when I met you a few weeks ago that we would have so much to talk about with not only what we do, but just all of our interests and everything. So I'm happy to be here. So Andrea and I met in Manhattan and I, you know, I don't know what the hell I was thinking now, but I went there during a... It was right before everything (laughs) fell apart. We went in the nick of time. Yeah, we did. We all met and had lunch together. It was a great day, but we were in a state of emergency, but it really was at the very beginning. And I got the hell out of there just in time. You're still there. And so... No, I'm in North Carolina. Oh, you are in North yep. Carolina. I'm in, on the East Coast, but in North Carolina. Yeah, I got out of there too. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you are out of there. So here's the thing that's that's interesting to me. One is, I don't know if you're experiencing this in your coaching practice, but this is what I'm experiencing on my end. Some people are, because of what 
we're in right now, that we're seeing a lot of compassion, we're seeing a lot of generosity, we're seeing a lot of caring, then we're seeing some not so great traits in people. And some of my clients are bringing this up and it's regarding women showing signs of they're like, I I feel like I don't even know my best friend anymore. I feel like I don't know, you know, we were so close. And I think that the fear that's going on is in some cases not bringing out the best in people. I don't know if, I just wanted to start there. And then I want to talk about your books, but tell me what your take is right now. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think that a lot of things are happening right now. And, and these are things too that we have never experienced before. So we're all kind of trying to survive and use the best. I mean, I would like to think everyone's trying to use the best coping mechanisms that they have, but that's, that's not always the case. But I just, I think that what's really interesting and also sad is that there's no one that this isn't affecting. That's the thing that's never happened before, right? You know, there are crises that happen and natural disasters, but they're specific to a region. And we're seeing this not just in the United States, but all over the globe. Sure, some states are worse than others. Some parts of the world are worse than others, but this is affecting everyone. And I think there's a large part of people who just don't know what to do. There are a large part of people who are just already had chronic anxiety, and this is a recipe for disaster. There's people who've never really experienced anxiety before, but it's happening for them. And I also think that it's human nature when something like this happens for us to innately want to protect ourselves and our immediate family. Yeah. And that brings out the worst in people. That's it really does. People hoarding <laughs> and buying yeah. toilet paper and yeah. not being nice to each other on social media and in person. And I'm over here as a practitioner of, you know, we do similar work. I'm trying to have a lot of compassion for myself and other people as well as grace. And at the same time, use my tools and teach them, but trying to give each other a lot of, um, I don't want to say slack, but just a lot of grace, but at the same time, tell the truth and tell people to stay the hell home. You know, it's, it's this weird yeah. juxtaposition yeah. that's happening all over the place. Yeah. And, and I look at these one, two, three, four, five things that you highlight that you teach, you help women release, let go mm-hmm. of. And we said perfectionism, control. Yeah. And that Oof. third one is jumping out at me right now. Well, that's the second and the third. There's people pleasing and isolating, but the control and the numbing. And I think that's oh what we're seeing a lot of. <laughs> and that's why we see women that are just, you know, and and men, you know, sometimes it brings out the, the ugliness. Things get ugly. Yeah. And then people get hurt. And I agree with you. Like, this is a time where letting go of our expectations a little bit, don't you think, Andrea? Because we have expectations. Right. We can't expect people to be like they normally are right now. No. all expectations need to be off the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that goes down to, you know, a lot of parents are having to homeschool right now or, or being asked to homeschool. People are being asked to work from home and they've never done that. People are losing their jobs and they're having to cope with that. Very low expectations as well as I see, you know, I'm a life coach. So I have a lot of life coach friends and I'm also seeing a lot of, you know, this is the time for you to do all of these things that you've always wanted to do. You have all this extra time. I was just on Instagram before we got on the phone together and there was one coach whom I love and admire. And she wrote this long post about how a year from now, you're going to wish that you had written that book. You're going to wish. And I'm like, stop it. 
you know what? That that might be great for some people, but I just, my hope is that if you are, whether you're a life coach listening to this or not, there can be both. There's room for both. If you feel motivated right now from an authentic, genuine place, by all means, get it, girl. But if you're also, you know, what I hear a lot from my clients is that they're exhausted right now. Yeah. That and I have one client who's a school teacher and she's like, I'm not even at school with my, with my school kids. You know, she's home with her own children, but she's like, I took a two hour nap today and I shouldn't be this tired. Why am I so tired? And I'm like, look at what's happening emotionally yeah. and mentally yeah. and spiritually to not just you, but the collective energy of your family, of everyone around you. Of course you're exhausted. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up your Instagram and I hope that people check you out on your Instagram. It's, it's, uh, your kick-ass life is where you're going to find her on Instagram because she's got a great, she does great posts on there. You really do a phenomenal job and also make sure that you check out her podcast and be a part of some of these conversations. If you, if you like what you're hearing right now, I would encourage you to do that. So I agree with you. And I want to move to your books for a second because I'm curious about something. You wrote 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life First, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Awesome. 2012. Mm-hmm. You wrote that in 2012. I did. It feels like That's a lifetime That's when I ago. published my first book. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I feel like in internet years, it feels like 150 years ago. It really <laughs> does. It feels like, oh boy, yeah, so much different now. So you wrote that in 2012 and then you come out with how to stop feeling like shit. How do you go? Yeah, I'm just interested in your in the two worlds. So tell me a little bit about what is that kick-ass life book about and how did that come to be in your life in 2012? It was actually born from a blog post. So this was back when people still used to blog and even people still used to comment on said blogs. I wrote a blog post similarly titled and it was just bullet points and i you know i'd always wanted to write a book and i had just gotten sober so that was kind of another epiphany that i had where it was a life changing moment where i decided you know i'm not going to just wish that i had done this thing i'm going to actually do it so it was an easy segue from a professional standpoint it was an easy segue from blogging into a book that was short chapters like they were like blog posts 750 to 900 words And it was really just a a personal development overview of all these different ways. I wanted it to be a book where you you could have it in somebody's bathroom and you could just pick it up and choose any chapter that jumped out at you and you can read it and like walk away with some inspiration and motivation. So that's that's really sort of the gist of what that book is. Everything from negative self-talk to body image stuff to communication, really just everything. Yeah. Those books are great. I love ones that you can just pick up and read a little bit and you get something and just enough to give you a little some kind of reshift your focus for the day. If you find yourself going off in that self-doubt or frustrated or Mm -hmm. being influenced, you know, I love those kinds of books. So tell me, how does that, how does that go from that? And now you come out with how to stop feeling like shit, which by the way, again, it's just unbelievable. She's got this in 18 languages Mm -hmm. now, 22 countries. Clearly there's some people feeling like shit out there. 
It's real. <laughs> it's been really interesting. Yeah. And what ended up happening is I, I wrote 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life and it was looking back on it and it really where I was where I was at, not only in my professional life, but in my personal life too. And, and I like to call that surface level personal development. So it's, you know, it's motivational, it's inspirational. It doesn't really dig deep into the deeper levels. And partly because I'm not a therapist, I'm not trained in trauma work or anything. So it was beyond the scope of what I did to even write about that. What ended up happening is 2014, I went to San Antonio to be trained and certified in the work of Dr. Brene Brown and her methodology, The Daring Way. And it changed my life, both personally and professionally. I thought I had done so much work on myself and then I went and did shame work and it really changed me. It truly changed me. And what Brene talks about in that methodology is she talks about our armor. She calls it your armor. So it's like the behaviors that you do to try to avoid shame. And in her research, you know, almost two decades of research, she says that the things that stood out the most were perfectionism, numbing out, and catastrophizing. I call it catastrophizing. She calls it foreboding joy. So it's basically people who are always waiting for the other shoe to drop, always wondering like how things are going to go wrong, afraid to really lean into joy. So she talks about those three behaviors. And as I was facilitating retreats of that work and doing it with my private clients, I kept noticing, you know, as we would talk about their armor, there were a lot, and Brene mentions this. She says there are other forms of armor. You can talk about those with your clients or in your groups. And there was this list that I came up with. And I was like, this is all the ways that my clients are putting on their armor. They're avoiding vulnerability. They're trying to avoid shame. And here they all are. And so that's how the book was born. And the reason it got its title was because I would tell people, you know, these behaviors work until they don't. I always say control and perfectionism helped me graduate with honors from college. Uh, numbing out works. It allows you to run away from your problems for a short period of time. And so all these behaviors work for a little while until they don't. And then when they don't work anymore, that's when they start to feel like shit. Ah, and I would talk I about that. this all the time on my podcast and with my clients. And then that's mm-hmm. really how the title was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that it, it does attract some people that really, truly feel like shit and they, you know, chronic depression and things like that. And that's not what this book is for. I mean, it's helpful really for everybody. Sure. Interesting journey yeah. <laughs> as far as titles of books are concerned. Yeah, no, that, that is absolutely fascinating. And I know Brene Brown, did you see her on 60 Minutes the other night? I haven't seen that. It was just this yeah. last week, right? Yeah, it was just this last week. It was really, really good. Yeah, I was was actually working and my husband's like, "Uh, I think you might want to see this one. Yeah, (laughs) You might want to check this one out. And so that's, yeah, she's, she's wonderful. So you have some really great training. Are you still seeing private clients? I am. I'm seeing private clients, both if they want to go through that work with me, as well as just if they don't want to do that deeper work, I have just um, open sessions. That's really great because I know a lot of authors that don't see clients anymore because they're just too, there's too much traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine it helps me to stay to really, I learned so much from that one-on-one time with people. And it's really nice to hear someone like yourself, you're still out there and Mm -hmm. accessible and available for people. So I think coaching's amazing. You know, it's an amazing- I'm an evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) It's really can be transformational and it's different. It's different than therapy, right? Therapy's amazing as well, but coaching- I think both are great. And especially if they can be done in tandem. And, you know, for, for one of my daughters did them both. She Mm -hmm. had two, she had a coach 
and she had a therapist. Of course, I paid for both of them. Right. But, <laughs> and it was my idea. I said, well, I think you need a therapist for this and a coach for this. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to give them both. Yeah. And she grew leaps and bounds. Um, wow. And she's only, you know, she's only 20 years old. And it's like talking to a 40 year old. She's just yeah, really, really deep, deep work, but very mature. And I'm like, honey, you don't realize people don't have the work you have in you. You know, when you combine those things. So yeah, so tell us, let's let's talk about these things and what can you offer for support? So we've got, you talk about the shame. What common thing do you see? And I know there's a ton of them, right? Yeah, um, I, I can, I'm happy to get nuanced about it. And, and especially, I think that something that Brene doesn't talk about a lot that mm-hmm. I found my audience thought was helpful the way I explain it in one of the opening chapters is that, Some people, when they come across Brene's work or just shame work in general, they think Mm -hmm. to themselves, well, I don't walk around, especially the women that I work with. I work with high achieving, um, busy, productive, efficient women. A lot of them have climbed the corporate ladder and their work has become more or less their identity. Sometimes they're mothers, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're attached, sometimes they're not. But they tend to not identify as feeling shame on a regular basis. They're like, I don't walk around feeling shame. I can maybe remember a few things that happened in my childhood or maybe at work, but I, I don't feel like I walk around feeling ashamed. And we, so we can tend to categorize it. You know, we look at people who had something horrible happen to them publicly. You know, they got caught embezzling money at their church or they, it was, you know, it came out that they were having an affair with their therapist and everybody's talking about it in their, in their town, things like that. And really what I think was the most fascinating and that what my people resonated with the most is that, and Brene does talk about this in a nuanced way, is that whether you feel like you have a lot of shame in your life is sort of irrelevant, but whether you know it or not, shame is running you. Like we're, we're constantly trying to avoid shame. And that's where the people pleasing and the perfectionism and the hiding out and isolating, the numbing out, the overachieving, the control, that's where all that comes into place. Because we're mm. doing that in an effort to try to be perceived a certain way by other people. It has everything to do with other people and really very little to do with us. That's yeah. why I talk about values in the book too, because that's important mm. as well when we're talking about this. And so once I started to explain it that way, a lot of my, listeners of my podcast and in my community were like, oh yes, I have that. Yeah. So then they start to realize how much shame is actually in the driver's seat of their life. Yeah. And would you, do you put shame and guilt around the same category? Do you treat that a little bit differently? No, I treat it differently because I think guilt can be a great motivator to change your behavior. Um, you know, if you are maybe a a working parent who is a bit of a workaholic and you feel terrible and your kid is saying, I wish you were home more. I wish that you came to my baseball games. Mm. I wish that you went to my gymnastics meet or, or piano or whatever it is. And you feel guilty about that, that might allow you to look at your priorities and spend more family time. Look at your, like, what's actually important to you at the end of the day? Because you might actually be going into perfectionism and overachieving and things like that when really your values is about your family. So, yeah. but if that same person was in that same situation and they felt like a terrible human being and they told nobody about it, if they maybe didn't change their behavior or they went overboard with their kid and mm-hmm. bought them a ton of, do you know what I mean? Like these are the things that we do to try to make other people not hate us or make other people judge us less or love us right. more or whatever. Yeah. And it's, do you see how that gets people into trouble? And it's just, 
Yeah. I think guilt can sometimes be great because it does change yeah. people's behavior. Gotcha. Never feels good. <laughs> no, it does not feel good. It no. does not. It definitely doesn't feel good. But I, I really like your angle on shame. Is shame running you? And that, mm-hmm. and really looking at that and how it can be covered up so easily. And just because you walk around and you're like, yeah, I run a business, I'm successful, and I know a lot of people, you know it doesn't mean that you don't, that shame isn't running you in some way. And, you know, it's interesting because in the emotional detox world, I go, I really believe that some of these emotions are inherited. I believe. Oh, hundred percent. And that they're also learned, you know? Um, And so looking at the men and the women in your life and, and how they behaved. And so, so deep, isn't it? So much. We, (laughs) I think that what's really fascinating to me and also sometimes troubling, you know, as a, as a mother of of young children is Mm. how much of that is shaped and created when they're little and what is modeled for them. And, you know, Mm. are there conversations taking place? Are they witnessing conversations between their caregivers about, you know, things like this? And for the most part, I mean, I, I hate to make a sweeping generalization, but for the most part, no, I mean, I didn't grow up in a family where, um, you know, there wasn't, we see shame a lot in parenting because it can change behavior on a dime, but it is in the long term, it's, it's pretty damaging, but very few of us grew up in families where vulnerability is encouraged and you have a safe place to be vulnerable or talk about shame and things like that. So yes, I, all that to say, that was a very long way of saying, I agree with you. (laughs) It is inherited. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's work to do. And that's why there's, there's no quick fix. People want that. Okay. Just make this go away kind of thing so I can move on. And that's really not what it looks like. Not to say that this work can't be accelerated. I'm sure you have seen a lot in your practice. And do you have any examples that you want to share with us? Any, any, so many like personal examples of my own working, whatever you want to share that so many (laughs) I just like to give people a picture of it, of what it looks like to be on the other side, because it's so easy to get caught into the problem. Yeah. You know, what are we, where are we stuck? What do we need to get rid of? But what does it look like? So how do you have that? I mean, do you see how to have a kick-ass life a little bit differently now? I mean, Yeah, a hundred percent. I think yeah. to me now living a kick-ass life is really about, has a lot to do with resilience. Mm. because I mean, trust me, life will do its best to kick the shit out of you. And and having a kick-ass life isn't necessarily about quote unquote kicking ass all the time. It's really not. And (laughs) it's it's about, you know, we always hear like, oh, you need to define success in your own terms. Like this is the same thing, like define what living a kick-ass life is for you. And as soon as somebody tells me it's, you know, and they're ticking off all these things that are outside of them, yeah, that's a red flag for me. And I, I will lovingly call you out on that. You know, to give you a personal example, I give a couple in the book and I can give you a really recent one too, because I think it's sure, helpful for people you too. Want. You know, I used to put people like me on pedestals. Like I remember my therapist for the longest time, I thought she must've had this perfect marriage, you know, cause she would talk to me about relationships. And I asked her one day sitting in her office, I had worked with her for years. And I said, I, I can't remember what I said exactly, but it was like, I make up that you have a perfect marriage and this is so easy for you. And she started laughing and I, I almost pleadingly asked her, can you give me like an anecdote from your life and tell me? And she did. And I'll tell you what, like our relationship was different for the better because of that, because Mm. it allowed me to see her as a human being rather than this expert who had no problems because I was comparing myself. I, Mm. you know, I needed to get to that place and that's not the goal. So, I mean, just, you know, we're obviously in a 
the global pandemic. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, like we were mentioning, you know, you and I met, that was what the 8th of March. Yeah. So then we all got home. Um, I got home that same day and that week was a little bit kind of, I felt like everybody was in shock and sort of like looking around at each other, like what's happening. And then the following yeah. week, I feel like was an, everybody was like throwing papers up in the air, like freaking out, screaming. They were yeah. closing schools all over the place. They're telling people you can't go to restaurants and bars anymore and theaters. Like that's really, I mean, excuse my language when shit was hitting the fan. Sure. And as someone who struggles with chronic anxiety, but who has spent like at least a decade with no medication, with really being able to to manage it very, very well. Yeah. I hit the worst anxiety. I haven't had that kind of anxiety wow. since I had postpartum anxiety with my son in 2007. Wow. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And it was the type of anxiety where it was spinning away from me and there was no wrapping myself around it where I can mm -hmm. usually do that. Mm -hmm. And so I remember sitting at my desk and this is a trigger warning because I'm going to talk, just say the word suicide <laughs> here. But yeah. uh -huh. I had that thought that said, I said, this is the part where people are going to start killing themselves yeah. because it yeah. was like that morbid, sure. horrible, people are going to start losing their jobs. People are yeah. going to start losing their businesses. People are yeah. going to start losing their loved ones. Like this was mm. really epically large. Yeah. And I had that thought. And then that thought went into another thought of like, oh my God, what if my business falls apart? And I'm mm -hmm. the sole breadwinner for four people. And yeah. you know how it just like, it is like an avalanche you yeah. can't get ahead of. Yeah. And then I went into shame from that because mm -hmm. I'm over here supposed to be the expert. And then I mm -hmm. had other life coaches and authors who I see all over social media who are like, join me on Zoom tonight. We're going to have this, I'm going to hold space for all of you. And I'm like, I can't even hold space for myself right now. How am I going to yeah. hold space for thousands right. of people? Sure. Like, I can maybe right. do an extra podcast episode this week, like when I calm sure. down. Which yeah. is, you know how we, then we get into the, yeah. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And I was, sure. here was the remedy. And I talk about this, this in the book too, because shame and anxiety want us to isolate. Mm. It wants us to not tell anybody what's going on. It wants yeah. us to get under the covers yeah, and just write it out as best mm -hmm. we can, but just don't invite anybody in. We don't invite anybody into this. And that's how I used to do it. And I know yeah. from experience that that's just going to make it worse. And I yeah. used to drink too, to try to help myself in that. I mean, yeah. that's a whole nother conversation, but um, I called my best friend and we have one of those relationships where if the phone rings, you know, it's serious because we're usually uh -huh. always texting or using other apps. And I FaceTimed her and I went in the corner of my office uh -huh. and I sat, yeah. I sat in the corner mm -hmm. and I just cried and talked for 10 minutes straight. Wow. Best thing I could have ever done. Cause she just mm -hmm. listened and uh, she met me with empathy and yes. she didn't try to make it better yeah. by putting a silver lining on it. She yeah. didn't, she wasn't dismissive. And I say all that because we, the two of us have cultivated this relationship intentionally. Yeah. And I know that that's not everyone's experience with their best friend yeah, or their friend or their partner, or whomever, but it's something that I have had to be really vulnerable and ask for what I need. And she does the same for me. And so that's anyway, yeah, that just happened like two weeks yeah. ago. I, you know, that's such a great example. And honestly, when I met Andrea, that was one, one of the things that I was drawn to. The impression that I left after meeting you in New York and was, 
how humble you are, how accessible you are, how real you are. And I do think that that is happening. You know, you're kind of seeing, again, we're seeing a lot of interesting behaviors right now in people. And some people are trying to hold it together and keep that appearance up. And then some people like yourself are just being really raw and real and vulnerable. And Showing up in my Minnie Mouse t-shirt with this interview (laughs) with you with my hair in a messy bun. And it's absolutely refreshing. And, you know, I just started the uh, Cleanse Life platform. It's, um, I teach yoga, so I do Cleanse Life. We just started it and I'm running it for 16 weeks, this yoga practice. And I just said to the group today, I said, look guys, you know, if anybody's out of work, please let me know. Um, This is not a time, we're all going to be in a different space right now. And I don't want people not to get what their needs met because, they just lost their job. Things are always negotiable in my world. And that's sort of the way I'm handling it is, yeah, my business is not the same, but yeah, I'm just opening my heart and saying, look, this is what I have to offer. And the people that are honest will show up with integrity. And that's tends to be who I attract, fortunately. So that's, that's a great story on so many levels of friendship, true friendship, true vulnerability, and allowing yourself to be honest about the way you're feeling. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that so much. I just want to remind everybody out there, she's got these books. So we've got 52 ways to live a kick-ass life. She's got how to stop feeling like shit, 14 habits that are holding you back from happiness. I know she's got a lot of stories even beyond what you're hearing today. She's gone through quite a bit herself. I'm sure those were represented in your book. So she's got yourkickasslife.com. She's on Facebook, Your Kickass Life. Mm. And she's got Instagram and a podcast. So I hope that you guys follow her because she's great. So any final words, Andrea, that you want to share before we sign off? I just want to tell people, you know, this is such an, this is, I'm not the first person to tell you that this is an unprecedented time. So like literally no one has gone through this before. No one. Yes. We've been through other recessions and, and, you know, disasters and things like that. But what we're going through right now, no one has ever gone through. You listening certainly have never gone through this before. So there's really no right or wrong way to do this. So if you feel like right now, all you want to do is rest and bake and gain 20 pounds, then by all means, that's okay. And if you want to like do a home gym and <laughs> do yoga every day, then then do that. But I, I think I want people to really check in with themselves and and think about what are you seeing on social media that's making you feel like you need to be in a certain category that just doesn't feel right to you or yeah. that you want to like be at the end of this saying like, look what I accomplished. Yeah. You are just as valuable if you accomplish absolutely nothing than if you accomplished writing a next bestseller. Like it doesn't matter. We're all just doing the best we can right now. And that is, again, like we were saying, low expectations, very low yeah. expectations. Yeah. I think that's the theme of today, right? Yeah. Releasing all expectations and they are, you know what? It's happening for us. We don't get to control it. It already is releasing. <laughs> So much surrender happening. Yeah. So much surrender. So, well, thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom and your books and your gifts and all that good stuff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to remind my listeners that your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. Until next time. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Emotional Detox live group coaching sessions and all of Sherrianna's books, go to sherriannaboyle.com.